0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Make Day Trace of Soy, the podcast all about surviving and thriving on a plant-based, low-waste lifestyle. I am your host, Rochelle. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode. If you are new around here, hello, welcome to the podcast. Really psyched to have you listening today. And if you're a regular listener, welcome back, soybeans. So glad to have you guys back listening every single week. We super duper appreciate it. If you are new around here, you won't know this, but we do do shout outs on this show. So that's something where you, the listener, can get in touch with us and you can suggest topics you want covered or interviews you'd like to see done, guests you'd like to have on. Um, and we'll do a shout out for you on the next show when we cover your topic or get your guest on. So you can hit us up on Instagram. We are make 10 traces of soy or on Facebook, um, but we are more active on Instagram. So you can go check us out there remember to follow us subscribe to this podcast and go and check out the youtube as well because we're dropping new videos every single week so this week on the podcast and on the youtube we're talking about artisa cheese and on the podcast i was lucky enough to interview julie from artisa and she is the founder and the head cheese uh creator there so That was amazing, and she was really giving of her time. She also took us on a tour through the facility at Artisa and, yeah, even um, did a little cheese board with us, which was absolutely amazing. So you can listen to the podcast here now and also go and check out Artisa in the show notes. You will find links to go and join up with their mailing list and to go and have a look at them on social media. Check out the website. Remember, you can order directly through them and you can get it delivered to you. And uh, yeah, without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy this week's episode. Today we are speaking with Julie from Artisa Cheese. This vegan cheese brand launched in 2016 as, and has been featured in the Sydney Morning Herald, The Examiner, SBS, and the Weekly Times. Artista has picked up awards from the Royal Hobart Fine Food Awards and the Royal Tasmanian Fine Food Awards, winning a gold medal for their Derwent and Rosie cheeses. And this brand is fast becoming a go-to for vegan foodies nationwide. We are massive fans. Thank you so much for joining us today, Julie. Thank you for asking me, Rochelle. I'm looking forward to chatting with you. I'm so excited to have you on board for the chat today. Now, as I understand, you have quite an interesting background. You were a molecular, sorry, a molecular biologist doing research. Is that correct?
1: That That is correct, yes. Wow. I did my PhD back in New Zealand and... Yeah, it's it's led me down an interesting path. It took us to the States for a few years for a postdoc fellowship, and then to Sydney, where I'm still working in in research. Um, I think 12 years in Sydney before we decided that it was time for a change, and we moved to Tasmania to start my vegan food
0: empire. Wow. Well, I mean, it seems like you've done very well. Since launching in 2016, you've picked up quite a few awards um, down here, so that's pretty exciting. Can you tell us a little bit about the process for making the cheese? I read somewhere that you follow a very similar process to dairy cheese. Sure,
1: the, the really key difference is that we, we don't have a curds and whey step in making our cheese. So we have cashews, they are soaked overnight, they get washed, they go through what's called a colloid mill, which grinds them up incredibly fine. just comes out as a beautiful, silky, smooth cream we add just enough filtered water to process the nuts. There's a little bit of refined organic coconut oil that helps to give it a nice creamy mouthfeel. We add some beautiful Tasmanian sea salt and that is helping to preserve the cheese as well as adding flavor, of course. Um, and then once it's all ground, we add our dairy free probiotic starter culture so that's similar to the starter cultures that dairy cheese makers use for um, the stage that they call ripening the milk so we culture overnight and that stage is really a bit like making yogurt it goes you know for the cashew cream it goes tangy it goes thick and next morning we check the pH make sure it's got to where it needs to go and then it goes into the cheese molds depending on what style of cheese that we're making.
0: Wow that's so interesting so I guess your background would have come in very handy in this would that be correct because there's quite a bit of science I would imagine to all of these little elements.
1: It it is I mean I think you know People come at cheesemaking from so many different directions, it's, it's really interesting. We were lucky enough to spend a few, a couple of months in Europe a few years ago and we visited some of the leading vegan cheesemakers in Switzerland and Germany and, um, you know, they've all come from completely different directions. One guy was a network engineer, so his specialty is, you know, still networking. He does a lot of online um, activity, a lot of teaching. Um, there was a guy we met from Germany who was a surgeon and you know he's a bit like me, comes at things from a very sort of sciencey direction. We met a guy from uh, New Roots in Switzerland, incredibly successful cheese company there, vegan cheese company. He's an engineer and you know he he needs a piece of equipment, he just figured out how to build it himself. So really interesting, really diverse. So for me, yes, you know, I, I do like the sort of microbiology aspects of it and I've probably got a few more insights. My experimental design might be a little more complicated than other people when it comes to my R&D, but, um, you know, it's not, a, it's not a prerequisite by any means.
0: Mm, definitely. Um, it also seems like with your cheeses, you guys do a lot of focus on sustainability and uh, promoting and using local produce and products. For example, your Tasmanian pepperberry, um, you've got that lovely Launceston blue. uh, So there's that very local focus. I read somewhere that you do a bit of wild foraging for some of the cheeses. Can you expand on that for me a little?
1: Look, we do. You know, when I did move to Tasmania from from Sydney to start my vegan food business, I really had a couple of criteria that were non-negotiable. Obviously you had to be vegan. Um, I'd been vegan for a few years before I moved down here already. And I really wanted something that would showcase... Tasmania's beautiful vegan-friendly produce. You know, so much of Tasmania's reputation as a fantastic foodie destination—it's a well-deserved reputation, I would say—but so much of that rests on beef and dairy and seafood, and there's so much more to Tasmania than that. So, um, you know, since I started the business, goodness, I've—I've I've tried everything. You name it, I've—I've I've had a crack. <laughs> um, I've done cheese with wakami seaweed. I've done cheese with Tasmanian saffron. I've done cheese washed in Tasmanian pinot noir. I've injected it with single malt whiskey. You know, I've I've done a lot. And um, with varying degrees of commercial success, you know, (laughs) sometimes I'm a little bit too out there. But, you know, they all had their fans. So with our current... Selection. I mean, you're right, the, the Derwent is the one that we, every summer we have a little company outing and we drive down to the Derwent River where the fennel grows wild along the river banks for sort of kilometres, and we bring back, you know, a carload, or we generally has to go down a couple of times to bring back all of the flowers that mm. we harvest. So you've got to pick it, you know, at just the right stage when the, flowers open enough to release the pollen, but not so open that the pollen's all disappeared. Um, You've got to leave some for the bees and try not to get stung, Mm. which we haven't always managed to do, but we've had a few, (laughs) 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 only one incident so far um, with with bees. Um, So yeah, bring the flowers back, dry them, sift out the pollen, and it's just the most exquisite ingredient to work with not seen much in Australia. The Europeans tend to use the pollen a little more. In Italy they call it the spice that fell from angel's wings. So oh. yes, they do They do love it. So yeah, I, I love that one and as you said, it is um, one of our most um, decorated cheeses, gold medal, two gold medals and reserve champion in the plant-based food category at the name Fine Fruit Awards last year so wow. yeah it's
0: lovely it it's well favourite. it's such a good cheese it's fast <laughs> becoming one of my favorites I was obsessed with the blue still love that but this one there is just an addictive quality with the pollen the flavors mm. just pops in the yeah. mouth and it's just like how and what is it and <laughs> I mean it's hard to find cheese like vegan cheese that gives you that intense mouth feel that addictive nature that dairy cheese you know always had before you go vegan so this is probably the only cheese board style cheese i've found that does that and as i understand it that was your goal in the positioning for the brand wasn't it
1: absolutely you know we always knew we were never going to be competing with the supermarket brands and and nor did we want to you know i mean i didn't start the business because i was desperate to eat vegan cheese it was just such a gap in the market It was just such a good business opportunity for us that we thought we could um you know thought we could fill so yes that's always been our aim you know a premium cheese board style product that heroes tasmanian ingredients obviously you know the cashews are imported one of our sort of top r&d goals is to find something that's grown you know if not in Tasmania at least in Australia that we can use rather than the cashews but we just haven't found anything that gives us the right sort of mouthfeel the right texture so um, it's a work in progress that one
0: yeah but it's always a balance with these things when it comes to sustainability you can do what you can do without compromising the integrity of the product and that's yeah Yeah. where you've got to go to uh, well, I would love for you to tell me a little bit more about the cheese types because I know that you do a few different things with the cheeses and We've got you know some more soft types and then some more hard types And I think there's a different process for each. So could you expand a little bit on how those work?
1: Well, it's not super different really the secret, well, it's not a secret. The, the difference is really just the time that we mature them for so we are one of the few companies that's really Doing long aged cheeses, so our our chef style the fresh ones. So that's the Derwent with the fennel pollen and the Rosy with the pepper berry. They um, you know they're intended to be sold when they're soft and creamy. So they're a spreadable style. So they are packaged within a few days of culturing, about a week, long enough to just set, cut them up, get them in their bags, and and then the. Fracinay, which is the um, one that's rolled in beautiful Tasmanian botanicals and the Tasman black and the Gladstone, they go into um, wheel-shaped moulds and we generally keep them around eight weeks. So they get, um, they get turned regularly, they get brushed, they get salt washed, so they do get the same sort of maintenance as you would get with a regular dairy sort of cheese. And we can, you know, you can keep them... You know, really as long as you like basically they're just sort of drying out they get a nice hard rind on the outside but um, because we don't have the same protein structure as a dairy cheese we don't have casein which is a protein that forms quite, lo- it's a long sort of linear protein and it sort of meshes together and it allows the whey to be expelled but the cheese has that nice um, firm mouth to it so the main proteins in cashews is actually a, like a round ball globular, so it doesn't stick together, um, doesn't allow you to expel the moisture, so it just um, it just takes time. It, so at you know an eight week mark, the rind is really nice and firm, but the middle is still um, still a little softer, depending on you know the size of the wheel that we make as well. Um, the Launceston blue. Is a bit more complex. We do obviously add a second culture in when we're making that one. So we have our probiotic starter culture, which is working to.
0: Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news?
1: And then we add the traditional blue culture, which is called Penicillium roqueforti. So that's what that's what gives it the blue colour, the veins of blue, and the pretty authentic flavour. So yeah, that's you know to get the veins on the inside and um, what have you. That is a little more complicated. And then once the wheels are formed. We wash that one in a uh, beautiful premium Tasmanian cider so that just gives it a little sort of fruitiness, a little bit of sweetness so it balances out the natural acidity from the cheese so yeah, that's another lovely Tasmanian ingredient we like to use. Ooh.
0: I mean the blue is fantastic and I'm very fa- fascinated by how you've managed to achieve that flavour that is so authentic, so mm-hmm. it's really interesting to hear you know, that it has to do with the cultures and Absolutely. the type of yeah, yep. blue culture that you're using. Mm. So you've been down here since 2016 you've been running the business have you guys found that Tasmania has been very accepting of the business have you done well down here i know that on the mainland you're definitely doing well you're popping up in all sorts of um you know vegan cheese places and little supermarkets and stuff so
1: Mm. um honestly Tasmania has been extremely good for us you know we started out at the little Evandale Country Market on Sunday mornings did that for a year um, we had a stint going down to Hobart to the Hobart Twilight Market and um, did Salamanca for a while. So, so yeah, we've um, you know all the stores. You know, we've got stores that have been with us now for you know three, four, five years that have stuck by us and continue to support us. So I think there's a lot of you know, and even probably during COVID, if there was anything good that came out of COVID, I think it was. Um, people's real commitment to supporting local, you know, small local businesses and I think that's served us really well, you know, through COVID and even now I think we're still getting some benefit from that.
0: Mm, absolutely, I mean the product is good too so I feel like when there's a good product people come to it and they support it, you know, yeah, it's, yeah, um, that's right. it's definitely deserves all of the praise that it's received, just in my humble opinion as a cheese lover. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, yeah, it's it's amazing to see how well you guys have done and how, like, the kind of cheese that you're able to make and how wonderful and close to um, dairy cheeses that is. What, what actually drove you to become vegan? Because you said you've been vegan for a few years beforehand.
1: Mm. I mean, I became vegetarian when I was 18, and that was, I mean, not from any great epiphany, I was just always a very squeamish child, could never stand touching, you know, meat when I was a kid, having to feed the animals Ugh, I hated it um, when I was at university I was living in halls of residence and the food was dreadful and after my second semester at uni I moved out into a share house with a friend of mine who was a vegetarian, so I went home in the summer, I said mum I'm going to be vegetarian for the next, for the summer and that lasted about, you know well, it lasted probably 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then when we moved to the States, I said, oh, we were living in a fairly conservative part in the Midwest there. And I was like, oh, God, if I go over there and say I'm vegetarian, I might, you know, starve to death. So I said, I won't say it. I'll bear it in my heart, but I'll just see how it goes. So I did have a spell when I was um, sometimes eating meat again. And then when we moved to Sydney... I was just finding that vegan food was my favourite food to eat. My daughter was probably 18 or so by that stage. She was also preferring to cook and eat vegan food, so we just went overnight, okay, we're doing this, and um, yeah, so that's what we did. Mm -hmm. That was my last trip to Melbourne. Oh
0: wow! (laughs) For our listeners at home. Julie's got this beautiful uh, scriptive tattoo that says vegan on her wrist, which yes, we, is just lovely. We went up,
1: I went up for the um, the Melbourne Vegan Festival and decided that, well I'd already decided, that, so Ella, my daughter, booked me in and took me along, because she's got she a fair few of her own, so. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's so cool though. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's really interesting to hear, I mean I have to agree with you, vegan food has just come on leaps and bounds. Um, It's amazing what you can get now There are so many innovative Creators I think Like yourself and like other food scientists And um, you know the people who are Making leaps and bounds in fake meat As well Mm -hmm. There's just so much to try And there's so much really good food out there That it doesn't matter whether you're vegan or not The food is still lovely And that's a wonderful kind of place for us to be In the movement Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm.
1: You know we decided from the very beginning We realised that you know, we weren't going to make um, a go of this business if we were only making something that vegans wanted to eat, it needed to be something that was going to have wider appeal for that. And I think one thing that we probably underestimated at the time was that the number of people that just can't have dairy for health reasons. You know, I would say probably a third of our customers might be vegan and a third are uh, you know, lactose intolerant or you know, allergic to dairy or whatever. And then probably another third that'll just give it a try, you know. And that sector's growing, and I think all of the statistics bear out the fact that it is the, you know, the sort of flexitarians, the people that the reducitarians, or all these crazy words to describe <laughs> them. Um, you know, they're driving a lot of the interest in plant-based meats and things in particular. You know, the growth's been phenomenal in that space over the last five years or so. Um, cheese has been a harder, you know, harder one to get right I think mm. it doesn't certainly hasn't reached you know burgers and you know those sorts of things they're so similar in taste and texture to the um you know animal based alternatives that you know they've had very wide acceptance and look cheese is better but it's not there yet you know <laughs> and it probably it never will be that's mm. the thing um until we go down the path of um precision fermentation, I don't know if you know what that is, but that's when you basically get microorganisms, so yeast or fungi, you can um, program them to produce the exact same proteins as dairy. So it's been used in the medical industry for, like, decades. That's how insulin is made now. You know, no more extracting insulin from pigs' livers and things. Insulin's made using this precision fermentation technology. And there are companies now in the States... And starting in Australia, there is a company in Australia that's doing this to make casein and um, the whey protein, you know, completely animal-free, completely dairy-identical, and I think that's going to be the game-changer for the dairy industry, for, you know, the plant-based non-dairy industry. It'll be Mm. interesting, really interesting to see how that pans out.
0: Yes, that'll be fascinating because casein is the, it's particularly the part of dairy cheeses that make it so hard to replicate in vegan cheese, isn't it? Yeah, From exactly. what I've read, that's the part yeah. that affects your brain and fires off those things that make you go it oh, those it stick to those
1: <laughs> case, That's caseomorph- yes. I think they're called. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that's right.
0: Ah, oh, that's so interesting. Oh, I can't wait mm. to see that happen. That's I know, really I know. I
1: mean, look, you know, it's very, it's very high-tech, you know, and there's always going to be a place, there's always going to be people that don't find that an acceptable you know they don't want that food that's made you know like that so um yeah look i don't think it's going to um i think there'll always be a place for the more whole foods based products you know like we make but no Mm. it'll be it will change it'll definitely you know have an impact
0: yeah Mm. well i think you come so close with the products that you do without um having that kind of you know replicated case and the the way that you guys work with cultures it replicates so close to, to cheese, to mm. dairy cheese. Mm. Um, I think that, you know, you're almost there as so it is, in my opinion. It's very good. But um, I suppose you would know uh, how people think of it in comparison to dairy cheese if you have a lot of people who are buying from you that do still eat dairy cheese, like the flexitarians. Mm. What are their mm. comments about it? Do they think it comes pretty close?
1: Look, you know, we do the farmer's market every Saturday morning and, you know, for the most part, we love it. we don't love it as much when it's freezing cold and raining but you know it's it's the best market research you can possibly do so yeah we we love the feedback that we get we love people being so surprised people say what is this plant-based cheese you know they've got no idea they've never tried it before you know bless the people that'll come along and you know the you know, the old farmers that get dragged along and, you know, it's, it's such, a, such a joy to, um, to chat with him about what we're doing and get their, um, you know, look, we're not for everybody, we know that, we never will be, you know, no products are, I don't suppose, but um, no, the, you know, we get lovely feedback and that, you know, that does make it much easier to be there on those cold damp mornings
0: Mm. and that must be interesting too to see that feedback because especially in a place like Tasmania there is obviously there are a lot of vegans here there's a lot of people who are very focused on sustainability and the environment here Um, but there's also a lot of people who are farmers they are dairy farmers they are used to farming being a very big part of their world down here especially kind of dairy farming and meat farming so Mm. It's, um, yeah, it must be interesting to interact with those people when they do sort of go, oh, well, that's not too bad.
1: <laughs> yeah. no, it's it's very rare that I get any um, negative feedback. You know, I do, I remember one grumpy old man walking past the market, you know, from a year or so back saying, You can't call it cheese. And <laughs> literally that's the only time I've had any, you know, negative feedback feedback like that and he wouldn't even look me in the eye I was quite mm. happy to explain to him that you know in Australia it's quite legal to call it cheese in some countries it's not but you know mm. until they tell me I can't I will <laughs> um, you know I used to have a, when we had our shop open here I used to have a dairy farmer that came in every Christmas and bought cheese for his vegan daughter to take mm. it you know for her to come down and, and enjoy with the family so no people are very accepting and um very open-minded for the most part in my experience
0: yeah that's lovely to hear and i think we're moving more towards that now in society anyway as it is there's more people as you say who are flexitarian who are trying things out and you know just more people who are a little bit more supportive and a little bit less judgmental than um yeah they used to be well thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode i'm going to drop all of the links in the show notes you'll be able to go check out the instagram for artisa and the website and um, I'm sure that you can find it probably in some of your local you know, vegan haunts. I'm sure there's a few out there that you can hit up. So if you uh, go and follow them there and have a look and check out the website online, see where you can pick up some of this amazing cheese. I hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode of may contain traces of soy. Julie was so incredibly giving of her time and I really just want to do a big shout out to her and say, thank you again because she gave me a whole afternoon of time and let me record at the actual artisa shop um, where they're making the cheese. So that was really amazing. Remember to head to the show notes now and check out Artisa. Go to the website. You can order the cheeses to be delivered to you, which is absolutely amazing. I highly recommend it. Legit, the Derwent and the Launceston Blue are two of the most amazing cheeses I've ever tasted, and the rest of them are pretty great too. I would also recommend the Gladstone and the Freycinae, and basically all of them because, wow, they're all super amazing. But yeah, definitely go check them out. Uh, head over to Instagram and follow them there and on Facebook as well. And definitely head to the YouTube this week and have a look at our video. We do have a tour of the facility that we've included in there. And we've got a breakdown of how to put together a vegan cheese board, what you can put on it. And then I taste the cheeses and basically just go, wow, a lot because they're amazing and I love them. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode, guys. And we will catch you in a week.